another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James Vickers. You can reach us on the show at Championship Pod on Twitter, and you can also follow my personal Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers. Hi, yeah, I'm Kevin, uh, uh, editor of Leeds United Mad, uh, Twitter handle Leeds United underscore Mad. Um, you can check me out on there, all Leeds fans, and um, also uh, Leeds United uh, Mad website, where I uh, provide as much information from the club as I can, um, legally and um, illegally, however way it goes. I'm Ron Miles, I'm the editor of Tyke Mad at www.barnsley-mad.co.uk. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at 21Tyke. Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. Um, we'll start with you first, Kev, and uh, yep. quite the game yesterday against Millwall. Um, obviously yep. disappointing from your point of view to uh, to lose to sort of a last-minute goal. Uh, talk us through the game, and, and sort of is there any other sort of noteworthy news out of Leeds this week, potential signings or new incomings, anything like that? Yeah, sure, yeah. It was a, obviously an amazing game. Uh, first half was... Uh, we started off really well, actually. Uh, could have been a couple of goals up in the first sort of ten minutes, but Lasaga wasn't on his best form in those sort of early minutes. He'd only just got back into the side from uh, making some substitute appearances, so I don't think he was razor sharp in those first few minutes. Otherwise, it would have been a totally different game because the two chances he's had, he had, I think most forwards would have fancied the chances of scoring. So, unfortunately, they weren't taken. We uh, then had, um, Millwall had a goal disallowed. There was a bit of a debate going on because they were celebrating initially. Then the referee went over to the, to the assistant and he said something like, you know, it must have been offside because he, he stuck his flag up for an offside and it was delayed. So you, th- you think would be sort of um, ready for it after that. But literally inside another minute, they actually took the lead uh, with a legal goal and they went 1-0 up. So it was an absolutely... Stupid sort of couple of minutes, really, because you think we would have learned that we would have been one nil behind, but we instead of um, learning from that, we we sort of uh, go behind anyway. So that was absolutely dreadful um, on our behalf, anyway. And um, a few minutes later, sort of uh, around about the thirtieth minute or so, um, Liam Cooper, the captain, gets sent off by the referee. Uh, like I said, there was a bit of a delay on 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 it because there was a bit of a fracas going on on the touchline. Both assistants had to sort of uh, watch the game from the seats at the top because they were both sort of sent to the sent away from the dugout. So I don't know what what went on there, but I think Harris was so incensed by the, the Cooper challenge that um, he was just asking for a red card straight away. But a lot of people were saying that the referee was going for um, a yellow card initially, but with the fracas going on, he delayed it then decided to give him a red. So I think it was a bit unfortunate to be sent off. But having said that, he was having such a bad game. You know, it, it's, uh, it wasn't making much difference anyway with his performance. And then a few minutes later, they went 2-0 up. So going into the half-time, we were, we were thinking, well, we better try and keep the score down for our second half because there's no way with 10 men that we're going to actually win this game. But lo and behold, first 15, 20 minutes, we scored within the top. First 30 seconds of the kickoff to make it 2-1. Uh, great finish by Lasaga from a roof cross. Then we equalised. Uh, roof sort of very scrappy goal on the on the line, but he, he got it over the line. Then we took the lead from uh, Lasaga again, and we, we were thinking to ourselves, God, is, is this going to be one of the games of the season where we're actually going to win with 10 men in the second half? But we just couldn't hang on, hang on with the last sort of 10 minutes. We were, 
you know, we got a bit leggy towards the end, allowed them to score in equalise. We thought a point's better than nothing with 10 men. And then they get a snatch a winner in um, injury time. So uh, it could have been the game of the season for us had we won. But at the end of the day, it was a, a fourth home defeat and Millwall's first away win of the season. So, you know, it was a bad result, really, uh, going into a, a break for us now because we don't play now for another sort of 10, 11 days. So very disappointed the way the game finished. But... The guys gave us a lot of pride in the second half by, you know, putting a, a great performance to nearly snatch victory. So, so close, but uh, at the end of the day, um, so far. Yeah, obviously unlucky. Um, you, you got right back into it, and then to lose it at the death must be sort of gutting for you. Um, just sort of looking at Leeds' form, obviously uh, there hasn't been a win in sort of any competition since Boxing Day away at Burton. Is there? Yeah sort of an issue there or is it just a case of being sort of unlucky in games sort of looking down you've you haven't been on the end of sort of a, a two or three nil or it's all been one nils and nil nils sort yeah. of against you um is it just a case of being unlucky at the moment or is there sort of an underlying problem that needs addressing well if, if we manage to keep 11 men on the field i think we'd have a better chance of winning these games but uh the birmingham game which was the first defeat because we had a great december when we won five out of seven games, um, Birmingham was a bad defeat. We lost 1-0, but that was towards the end of the game. But we didn't turn up at all for that game. So the alarm bells were starting to ring initially there. But with the Forest game, it was 0-0. It could have gone either way. Forest could have won it. We could have won it. But we were a bit unlucky, I thought, not to uh, win because Roof hit the crossbar and we had a couple of other decent chances. So there was no alarm bells at the time. But then when we fielded a, a totally different team against Newport and Saeed got sent off for spitting, meaning that he missed six games. That's when it started turning a bit bad because obviously we didn't really learn from that because uh, we played sort of Ipswich next and we had another sending off with O'Kane for a headbutt. If we'd have kept 11 men on against Ipswich, I think I believe we would have won that game because we were on top for the most of the half and we played played quite well with 10 men in the second half as well. We only lost to a, a really good goal by then and to lose 1-0. And of course, um, Millwall again, we... Cooper being sent off, I think we would have won that game with 11 men as well. Um, but, you know, we're just going through a period where we can't keep 11 people on the pitch for some reason. I don't know what's going on, but uh, it's uh, things seem to be going against us in that in that way. But obviously, Saez and O'Kane would deserve sendings off. I think Cooper might, might have been a bit unlucky yesterday, but there's still plenty to play for for the season. Still 18 games to go, nine home, nine away. And I think the playoffs are so wide open, uh, really, um, right down to, what, 12th, 13th, 14th position. I mean, whoever puts on a good run of games, then they're going to be up there. I mean, if we'd have won our last two games, it's big, obviously the hips and butts of football, we'd be in the playoffs fairly comfortably. And, you know, with 11 men on the pitch, I think we would have got those six points. So if we can get a good run of form going again now, starting with Holloway uh, the next game, then, uh, you know, we, we need to go through what we went through in December, try and go five or six games unbeaten, and then hopefully we'll be back in the chase again. Yeah, and sort of to move on to Preston now, obviously we had a sort of not a disappointing draw, obviously you've just mentioned there, Kev, that Millwall are sort of a, a decent team and shouldn't be overlooked. We had a, a, a one-all draw down there last weekend, and then we uh, we went into the home game against Birmingham City this weekend, two points outside the playoffs, looking to 
to obviously no games are easy in the championship, but looking to beat a struggling team and, and really sort of cement our place sort of just outside or if not inside the playoffs. So to go into the game and put in, I don't think you'd find a Preston fan who disagrees. Our, our worst performance of the season was uh, thoroughly disappointing yesterday. We, we never really got going. We looked a bit sort of scared on the ball at times. Um, ben Pearson, who got a, a little knock against Millwall, so was, was out of the game yesterday. When he's out the side, we look a completely different team. Um, sort of the hole in the centre of midfield was, was glaringly obvious. And I think it was just sort of a bad day up the office for, for management and players yesterday. Alex Neal came out after the game and said that we were a bit too soft in midfield and, and we didn't get stuck in enough. Um, and you know, that's, that's really sort of down to the fact that Pearson's missing. But, you know, you can look at that sort of the other way and say, well, why didn't Neil put someone like John Welsh in who is that kind of player? Granted, he's getting on a bit now, but he can do that that dirty work in midfield, break up play and, and you know, start off moves. So I think it was just one of those days for us yesterday. Um, obviously, we took the lead completely against the run of play. Uh, ben Davies getting his first goal for the club uh, in the championship, which, you know, delighted for him. He's, he's come through the youth academies. He's had a few loan spells out, but this season he's looked a completely different player and, and has really sort of made that centre-back partnership with Paul Huntington his own. Um, and it's been sort of testament to how good he's played, the fact that Tom Clark, the club captain, uh, comes back and he, he's forced to play right back or either, even on the bench. Um, so he's done fantastically well. Um, the Birmingham goal, though, however, and if sort of anyone listening hasn't seen it yet, I'd uh, urge you to go see it. It's uh, sort of a comedy of errors, really. We um, sort of defended for that sort of 10-second period like we were sort of an under-12 Sunday league team. Um, the ball was played out to the centre-back, Paul Huntington, who, who lost it to one of the Birmingham strikers. Chris Maxwell came flying out to try and tackle the Birmingham striker and ended up tackling our, our covering centre-back. And you got two Birmingham players then who practically walked it into the net. So while I'm disappointed to concede a goal in that manner, um, you know, Birmingham were fantastic yesterday and uh, and didn't let us get going. So credit to them for, for coming to uh, to our place. You know, when they're down at the foot of the table at the moment, not scared to go out and play. And uh, I think if they play like that for the remainder of the season, they should or I say should get out of trouble um, but yeah disappointing for us and uh, we'll hopefully look to put it behind us I mean still only four points outside the playoffs so still all to play for like you said who's put a couple of, uh, of wins together and you find yourself right back in the mix so by no means am I uh, out to sort of hang anyone out to dry and, and say that people need dropping or drastic changes are needed you know we're having a fantastic season so far and it's sort of yet another uh, sort of disappointing home game, but you know where we are in the table. Can't really complain because we're having a better season than I thought we would when when Simon Grayson left uh, during the summer. So as long as we carry on picking up the odd points, you know they could become invaluable at the end of the season. So we'll uh, we'll see how we go next week. Um, I wanted to talk to you though, Kev. Um, obviously, we we did have Robin at the start. He's just having connection issues at the moment, but we'll we'll sort of move on to the next topic. And I wanted to talk to you a bit about um, obviously your game yesterday. Um, mm. People saying it's game of the season so far. Obviously, it had more or less everything in. A sending off, last minute winners, a comeback. Um, mm. In your opinion, obviously, being a Leeds fan, I'd imagine it's uh, hard to talk about it as game of the season. But is there a better game than? in the division that you've seen in this season or would you rank that one as, as sort of the clear number one contender? 
Well, yeah, for the neutral, yeah, definitely. I'd say it was a, a fantastic game to watch because um, it had, like you said, it had everything really. Um, I've never seen a, a ten-man team sort of play like that in, in a second half. Not for Leeds, anyway. I mean, usually when we go down ten men, that's the end of the game for us. But we, uh, I've never seen a, a team come back from two nil down to lead three two with ten men. So that was an amazing feat in itself. Um, like I said, we didn't have the legs to carry that forward. But I, I can see people, why people are saying it is the game of the season. Um, but for me, it would have been the game of the season had we won 3-2. We would have been the game of the last sort of few years, definitely. But uh, you could tell by the reaction of the players at the end when they all sort of just fell to the ground. It's like losing an FA Cup final, really. When you lose, you just sort of think, well, I couldn't give anything more. Um, that's all I could give. And uh, the, the fans appreciated it, to be fair. They gave them a, a great reception and... Um, uh, a great, so, so a great finale to the game, should I say, by uh, giving them a, a great applause when, the, when they were walking around the pitch because they gave everything in that second half. It's just a shame that they couldn't have done that in the first half because we would have beaten them fairly easily with eleven men at least. And yeah, it's just unfortunate that obviously, like I said before, Millwall hadn't won away all season, so they had a very poor away record. Uh, but even though they got a nil-nil at Villa the other week, you know they can be sort of dogmatic and um, they're hard to break down at times. But uh, I thought, you know, the way we started the game, it was going to be in a, a fairly easy victory because we have a, a good record against Millwall at Ellen Road. But uh, yeah, I can see why everybody is saying. I mean, it's on the front page of the Mirror today. You know, is this the game of the season apart from Leeds fans? So <laughs> uh, not for us, maybe. But yeah, I can see for the neutral. They would have loved that because it had everything a football game you'd want to see in a football game, really. Uh, um, plenty of goals, actions, sending off late winners, comebacks, everything. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that we were on the wrong end of the score at the end. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, I think the only other game really this season that stands out for me in sort of that category is the, the Sheffield United-Fulham game, which finished 5-4 to Fulham. Um, yeah. Obviously, you had Leon Clark and Sessegnon both getting hat-tricks in that game. And mm. uh, sort of, I'd say those two games for me at the moment are uh, probably the games of the season. It's been quite a, and if you look at the league table, it's testament to it. It's been quite a tight sort of league this season with not many sort of big score lines in games sort of uh, granted Fulham had one against Burton yesterday but if you look down the table from sort of Cardiff in third down to, to Ipswich in 12th you know only separated by just uh, 11 points which you know any team puts a, a run together you know as we said they're going to shoot right up into the playoffs and I think it's been sort of a, not a cagey league but a tight league this year I think the amount of money that's floating around the division now, there's uh, you look down the table and you can make a case for sort of 
two thirds of the teams in the division uh, sort of challenging for the playoffs and promotion. So mm. it's definitely made it more exciting and, and harder to predict this year. So it's going to be sort of fascinating between now and May to see who really does sort of step up and which teams fall away. Um, what I wanted to ask you, uh, though, Kevin, and obviously it'd be good to ask Rob if we can get him back in, is um, obviously the Barnsley takeover has gone through now. Um, it's not particularly changed their fortunes on field, but obviously Paul Heckenbottom, the manager, will be glad to sort of put all the saga behind him now. I wanted to get sort of, first of all, your thoughts on Barnsley's takeover. How do you sort of see them doing for the remainder of this season? Will they stay up? And then... Sort of moving forward into the next sort of one two years, how do you sort of see Barnsley progressing as a football club, and do you think potentially they can push to get into the Premier League? Um, yeah, well, I remember when they were in the Premier League a few years back, and they, they did quite well for a couple of seasons. But yeah, it's going to it's a long way back now, I think, really. But they are two points above the relegation zone. It depends really if the new ownership. Uh, throw a bit of money at the club, I suppose, for transfers. And obviously, they've only got a couple of weeks to go now, three weeks to go, before they can get any fresh input into the squad this season. But uh, Heggenbottom sort of relied on a lot of loan uh, low knees over the last couple of years. And he's, he, he does well with them, to be fair. I mean, Ryan Kent seems to um, stand out as an outstanding player. He got the Young Player of the, of the Year award last season, even though he was on loan from Liverpool. He went to Germany for a little while, Nothing. It didn't really work out for him there on loan. So now he's, he's back on loan now with Bristol City. So he's a player that stuck out for me. And I fancied him to come to Leeds, to be fair. But obviously, I don't know if we were in for him or not. But uh, he's obviously decided to go edge his bets a little bit better by going to City, who are actually in the top uh, top six. And obviously having a great season in the uh, in the League Cup as well. So, yeah, I mean, like I said before, Heggenbottom sort of relies on picking out these little gems from uh, these clubs and uh, transforming them into sort of fairly decent players uh, on a regular basis with Barnsley. But uh, like I said before also, if if the takeover, uh, what well, we've been sort of taking over ourselves, obviously in the last sort of year or so, it, it all depends on what the vision they have for that club. You know, do they see them in the Premier League in the next couple of seasons or so? Are they going to throw some money at some players to... Uh, make a difference at the club. I mean, January is an awkward time anyway because you don't really get your best players until the summer. Um, so I think they might have to wait a bit longer. The, the main concern really for them probably would be to keep away from the bottom three, uh, uh, consolidate the position in, in the league and maybe uh, um, try and get um, some new recruits in the summer and make them into a... Um, uh, a promotion challenging team next season which you know like I said before they have been in the Premier League before so they know what it's all about but will they do it it all depends on what ambitions the the new ownership have I suppose at the end of the day yeah, completely agree with you there in, in terms of uh, sort of down to the owners and the direction they want to take them in. Um, obviously, Barnsley fans would love them to sort of splash the cash, but, you know, we've seen with teams like Birmingham, for example, that just sort of throwing money at it doesn't particularly sort of add up and uh, sort of bring in success sort of most of the time. So I think they need to be careful, especially this season. Um, I think for them going down, it'd be sort of a huge blow for them, especially with the, the takeover just going through. So I think first and foremost this year, it's about staying in the division. And then it'll be interesting if they do manage to stay up to sort of see them over the summer and 
on what the strategy is going forwards. I know sort of the the new owners come out and said that he's not going to sort of throw sort of tens of, of millions at it, but he is going to sort of invest in the squad. So it'll be interesting to see whether he takes the sort of the young player approach similar to, to how we've done, you know, getting players who aren't getting a chance in Premier League sort of uh, teams like Man United and, and Liverpool, for example, and, and bringing them in on not much money and sort of developing them and sort of building it that way. Um, but it'll certainly be fascinating to to see how they do get on over the next sort of 18 months uh, to two years. So it's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, but sort of, sort of touching a little bit on the Premier League there, I wanted to sort of get your thoughts, Kev. Obviously, um, Watford sacked Marco Silva today. Mm. Um, I think speaking to sort of a few of my friends who sort of support teams in the championship, they were saying that they'd love to have him at their club. He's, you know, a fantastic sort of young manager. Um, are there any teams in particular in the division that would either be looking to, to get a new manager in now and would go with Silva? Or if you were Marco Silva, which sort of clubs in the division would you look at and think, you know, I'd like a chance there and, and it's a club I could <clears> take forward? Yeah, it's a funny situation with Silva because he did a great job nearly keeping Hull City up last season. And obviously when Watford came calling, he sort of jumped ship straight away and went with Watford. But uh, um, funny team, Watford, because they seem to change the, the head coach now every season. And every season it's worked for them, changing the coach, you know, keeping them in the league. So maybe they're going for that approach again. But I think it went wrong for Silva as soon as... Um, I think Everton tried to approach him for their job. Um, they wouldn't allow... Watford wouldn't allow him to speak to Everton. And things started going sort of uh, wrong from then on in for Watford results-wise. They haven't really won that many games since since then. Uh, obviously, they're still in a fairly comfortable position. They're sort of 10th in the league. But they're only sort of four points off um, Southampton, who are 18th. But, you know, the couple of points behind Everton, uh, the team that tried to get him. So, yeah, it's, it's hard to say, really, what, what other teams... I mean, I don't know if Southampton are going to keep on keep hold of their manager now. It depends on maybe the next couple of results, how they get on. There's sort of talk about him maybe leaving if the results go wrong. So maybe Southampton could be a club that might think, oh, well, Silva might do a job for us because he did well. He nearly kept Hull City up last year. I think he just went to the last couple of games, so he, he nearly did it. Maybe Southampton might look at him. I think nearly everybody else down there now, Stoke have just obviously got Lambert in Brighton. I, don't, I can't see them sacking Hooton. Newcastle, you don't know what they're going to do with Benitez. He, he could walk anyway at any time. Huddersfield are fairly comfortable with Wagner. Palace, obviously, have got um, Hodgson. So there's not many other clubs there that I think would take him on at the moment. I think he'll have to wait until the summer, unless he decides to go abroad again. I don't know. But he uh, he's one of these managers that seems to do well for a certain amount of period. But I think his head's been turned a little bit now by this Everton talk. So I don't know. I think he's always looking for that. A bigger club for me, and uh, maybe that's what 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 went wrong when in uh, the Everton situation didn't really happen. So I think he might have to wait until the summer now to get another position. Yeah, completely agree with with what you said. Again, I think sort of in terms of Championship sides, obviously Hull would probably obviously wouldn't go back there. You'd, you'd think, but Hull would be a team, for example, that I'd, I'd love to have him back. And you know, he's. It'd be interesting to see down, especially in the Championship, he nearly kept them in the Premier League, but whether yeah. he'd sort of be suited to try and keep them in the Championship, you know, it's a completely different league and, and would he have sort of the, the tools at his disposal to 
sort of keep them up. Um, mm. Another team, and I think uh, if we'd have had this conversation two weeks ago and Watford had sacked him two weeks ago, I think Sheffield Wednesday would have been almost yeah. a perfect fit for him, really. So I'd imagine there's a few Sheffield Wednesday fans that are a little bit sort of gutted to uh, to have mm. not been able to get him or, or sort of obviously wasn't available at the time. But I do think sort of touching on Sheffield Wednesday, their new manager is uh, sort of doing sort of what seems like a good job at the moment. Uh, he's not yeah. conceded in, in any of his free games. Um, know a little bit about him from sort of uh, watching sort of as much Bundesliga as I do. Um, you know, he's been around sort of most teams in Germany and and he's a decent manager so I think it'll be interesting to see how he's suited and and adapts to English football but I think to go back to Silva uh, sort of especially championship sides at the moment that Sheffield Wednesday would have been quite a good fit for him Um, I don't don't think he fancied the championship though James myself that's why he didn't stay with Hull because Hull had obviously a few quid because they got the a parachute payment. I don't. Th- I think he thinks it's maybe just beneath him a little bit. Really, he's always yeah. looking for that. He's always looking for that bigger job, which is why he got sidetracked by the Everton position, which is a massive job. Really, uh, obviously he missed out on that because Watford were digging their heels in. Allardyce got it, and I think he was gutted about that. To be fair, which will why he maybe took the his eyes off the ball a little bit with Watford, and they went through some a bad uh, form. Bad results anyway. After that, they went through a poor run of form, and um, I don't think he's ever really recovered from that. And Watford are edging the bets like they do, um, and getting somebody else in to make sure they stay in the Premier League for next season. And that's worked for them over the last sort of three seasons or so now, where they've actually done that. They've got a new manager in, and he's he's done the job to keep them there, and that's where they seem to be running the football club at the moment. Yeah, sort of to get to go on. Obviously, I hadn't planned sort of to get onto this, but to to go sort of with what you just said there that you you'd think the championship might be below him at the moment. Is there any sort of young managers in the championship that you'd sort of see as as the next sort of manager to to be sort of poached by a Premier League club or, or step up to the the Premier League? Obviously, uh, Carlos Carvajal did it from uh, Sheffield mm-hmm. Wednesday, but that was a case of him sort of leaving Sheffield Wednesday and then sort of going on to Swansea, it wasn't a case of sort of one of the bigger teams in the Premier League sort of coming in for him and, and poaching yeah. him. Is there anyone sort of around the Championship at the moment that you'd sort of see as as the next kind of manager to, to be taken by a Premier League team? Yeah, they don't seem to look in the lower leagues these days, but uh, the Championship is becoming a bit of an old school, really. We've got sort of Warnock at Cardiff, Pulis at Middlesbrough, um, it seems to sort of go old school with the the championship uh, uh, managers. Mick McCarthy, obviously, at Ipswich as well. Um, and, I, yeah, it's, it's always awkward for for managers to try and make a name for themselves in the championship because you, you always tend to get these uh, Premier League rejects who have been sacked by the Premier Clubs and they're looking for a, a club maybe that will take them on. Um, Hiking Bottom's obviously done well at Barnsley. He's, he's a young coach. But I don't think any Premier League club's going to look at him at the moment with um, the position Barnsley are in the league. But uh, uh, obviously, uh, Johnson at Bristol City's made a name for himself this season. Maybe he could maybe fancy himself uh, with the um, at Premier League. And Stoke City seems to fancy Rowett at Derby, but obviously Derby are doing well at the moment. They didn't want to lose him, gave him, gave him a new contract. So I think Rowett might have been the closest to get to the Premier League um, 
uh, a club. But I can't see many other managers in the league really sort of um, knocking on the door of Premier League clubs at the moment. I think uh, it's much of a muchness sort of coach-wise in the league. You've got Holloway, one of our old school managers again, Holloway at QPR. Uh, Yapstam, obviously, he did well last season, but it's not doing too well at Reading this season. He was sort of touted for a big job last season, but he's... Um, it's gone down a bit this season because Reading have been fairly poor. So uh, I don't think there's too many coaches that would be looked at at the uh, at this moment in time for a, a Premier League club, to be fair. Yeah, the only one that I can sort of really think of um, sort of looking at, at down the table and who manages who is potentially uh, Jukanovic at Fulham. Um, obviously, yeah. he's done... Sort of quite a good job there um, to sort of mm. get him back in and around the playoffs, and obviously ties in quite nicely with uh, Silva that he's been at Watford before as well. Um, so I'd imagine he's sort of eager to get back into the Premier League. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. I'd imagine he'd love it to be with Fulham, and uh, Russ, who comes on the podcast as well, would also love it to be with Fulham. But <laughs> I think uh, sort of apart from the ones that you mentioned there, obviously Johnson at Bristol City, I think a few clubs in the summer potentially would be looking at him. Maybe yeah. Gary Rowett as well at Derby. Um, I don't think sort of anyone will really go now, especially sort of anyone in sort of the top six or seven teams sort of in the no. championship. It, it doesn't really make sense for them to leave, especially sort of nine times out of ten. It's to go to a team who's sat the manager in the premiership. They're going to be sort of down near the bottom of the table. So, you suddenly go from a, a promotion battle to a relegation battle, which, you know, once the team's losing, it's hard to get out of. And if you get that relegation on your CV, it's uh, almost sort of like a, a sort of a black cross then for, uh, for certain other yeah. jobs. So, Definitely. you know, I don't, I don't think we'll see anyone sort of switching between now and the end of the season. I'd be very surprised surprised if they do but maybe in the summer sort of as as we've said a couple of the managers that we've mentioned uh will be getting looked at by premier league teams if they can't get their team into the premier league um but sort of to go on to fulham um i wanted to just get your thoughts and they've mm. they've been sort of similar to you in the sense that over the last couple of years they've been in and around the playoffs and, and just missed out um do you think, sort of looking at the form guide at the moment, they really come from sort of down in mid-table, sort of lower half of mid-table as well? Um, obviously, fantastic win at home against Burton Albion yesterday. Um, yeah. Players like Ryan Sessignon shining again from uh, they're getting Tom Kearney back as well now. Do you think that they are sort of primed to, to go up this season or would you sort of uh, see any other teams sort of in and around them that would be sort of looking to, to go past them and, and break into the playoffs? Yeah, they've had a few strange results for them this season but they seem to be getting the game uh, going now a lot quicker than last season. They left, left it very late for the playoffs last season, sort of sneaked in with a few games to go. This time they seem to be making a bit of an earlier charge for it. But there's so many clubs around them on these similar sort of points. It depends what sort of form they're going now in the next sort of few games. Like you, like you said, they, they do have some decent players in that team. I don't know if they'll be able to keep hold of Sessignon. So many clubs are after him at the moment. Uh, it makes you wonder if, if he'll leave now in the next sort of couple of weeks or will they be able to keep him until the, until the summer. And if they do get promoted to the Premier League, there'll no need to sell him at all, really. Um, but they have a decent team. Um, when I went back to... Uh, the time they played us at Ellen Road, it, obviously they, we held them to a nil-nil, but they were uh, they had a very decent performance that night. And um, 
They've got some class players in the team. Fredericks at the back as well is, is a class uh, defender. Uh, Kearney came on as a sub yesterday. He's sort of been in and out of the team a bit this season. I think he's been injured a lot of it. As, so he hasn't been as influential as he usually is, but he's such a class act. There's still talk of him leaving for a, a Premier League club in the January window as well. And obviously you've got the old head of McDonald in, in midfield as well, the ex-Wolves player, uh, who's doing a great job uh, at Fulham. So they have got a decent... Um, Overall, they've got a decent squad there, but um, it depends, like us, if they, they they get a good sustained run of form now between now and the end of the season. Like I said, they left it very late last season and seem to be making an early push for top six now, but there's so many games to go now. I think any, any team that can put 10 to 12 games um, unbeaten in this league will be doing really well and probably will get into those player positions so it's all to play for but uh, I know the coach has had a, a few problems with the um, hierarchy at, uh, at Fulham this season and that seems to have calmed down a little bit now but he, um, he's got a point to prove he got Watford promoted at the end of the day but obviously he didn't um, he didn't go into the Premier League with them. They decided to go with somebody else. So I think he's got a point to prove with Fulham. And I think, yeah, they could be there. Obviously, they will be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they go on in the next few games. Yeah, definitely. So speaking to Russ, he, he'd said at the start of the season they were quite unlucky and there was just sort of a combination of being unlucky with injuries and one or two things not clicking and it, it really seems now that they're starting to find their, their form again that mm. at the start of the season it was uh, Fulham and Sheffield Wednesday that I tipped as the, the teams to be in the top two which sort of just before Christmas was looking highly unlikely. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't think yeah. I don't think they'll manage to get into the top two but I do think that they uh, sort of out of the teams around us at the moment uh, obviously we're 10th and 11th uh, in the league. I think they're probably in the best run of form at the moment and they've mm. got you know sort of game changers in their squad people like Sessegnon for example so uh, Tom Kearney as well so Sort of keeping hold of Sessignon over this transfer window in particular, I think, is uh, paramount for them. And if they can keep hold of him and maybe add one or two new players in as well, I think they'll be sort of a real force going into the sort of the latter stages of the season. And, you know, Jukanovic has done a fantastic job there. And I do think, as you said, uh, Kev, it's almost uh, sort of a little bit sort of more for him in the sense that he wants to get promoted again and, and actually have a mm-hmm. fair crack at the Premier League and sort of show Watford what they were sort of missing by by not going with him in the Premier League. So I do think that uh, that they'll be sort of there or thereabouts. Obviously, from both of our teams' point of views, you want sort of as many teams as possible to have poor runs of form. So <laughs> there's a part of me that hopes they don't, but um, mm. I do think at the moment that they are sort of one of the teams to keep an eye on. Um Sort of moving on, obviously, you mentioned earlier that, uh, that obviously no game for you next weekend in the FA Cup. Um, yeah. Just sort of to go back to the, the Newport game, was it a, mm. a case of too many sort of changes and, and sort of that kind of thing that ultimately led to the defeat? Or was it, you know, just a, sort of a bad day at the office? Sort of what really went wrong in the game? I think so. A bad day at the office is probably a good one because I thought I think people overblew the game a little bit. I thought we were fairly comfortable for 75 minutes. Even the commentators were saying our leads are managing the game fairly comfortably. They're slowing things down. Newport really haven't had a decent shot on goal. Lonigan has hardly had a save to make. And things were going okay. We were 1-0 up. We just needed that second goal to kill the game. Never came. Then a dreadful own goal sort of 
buoyed Newport a little bit and got them back right into the game. And it, there was there was only going to be one winner in the last sort of fifteen minutes because they started bombarding us then with crosses and attempts on goal. And lo and behold, they, they get um, Alaska's sort of winner as well to to sort of rub salt in the wound a little bit. And then we get. Saez comes on for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes and gets sent off as well. So it was just a disastrous last 15 minutes. And I thought we were fairly comfortable for 75. So yeah, it's one of those where the, um, the underdogs, obviously they get the rub of the green at the end and ended up, um, getting a nice home tie against uh, Tottenham in the next round. So yeah, it wasn't as bad as Sutton last season where we just fielded a team of, um, players that really didn't really know each other that well I didn't think and we lost to a, a penalty but I, th- I think the performance was a lot better than that but obviously if it had fielded a, a stronger team I think we would have won fairly comfortably but in these games you, you know they don't seem to like to take a chance these days and uh, concentrating on the league the old adage and um, unfortunately even the league results have gone a bit pear-shaped since then as well so maybe there's been a bit of an after effect but uh, yeah just a bad day at the office really and uh, I think it was overblown a little bit but um, that's the way you know Leeds United defeats have uh, sort of get reported about it when Leeds lose it's the end of the world basically especially in West Yorkshire as well. Yeah, you sort of mentioned in there that the results since of, uh, and we talked about it earlier, sort of tailed off a little bit. You've got sort of a, a break now. Um, so obviously I won't get you to, to preview the, the <laughs> whole game sort of almost two weeks in advance. But is it a case now with over these sort of 10 or so days that you've got sort of the break to yeah. sort of almost go back to basics, really get sort of the players regrouped and mm. sort of, if anything, really sort of getting beaten the FA Cup at Newport um, as cut, has not come at a right time to have this break, but it gives you a chance to have a few days off. You know, the players can clear their heads and then you can go again at Hull, who, you know, have really been struggling sort of for the whole yeah. of this season. So it's definitely a good chance to get three points on the board. Do you think this sort of little break is going to sort of benefit the team in the long run? Well, I hope so, because tomorrow morning they're, they're all flying off to Spain for a five-day sort of uh, bonding session, so that'll do them good for a trip to Hull in, on the 30th. <laughs> nice hot weather in Spain and uh, a cold night in Hull. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, uh, everybody's going to this this um, on this trip, including Luke Aylin, who's out for the rest of the season because he took a bad injury against Forest, and he's, he's obviously he can't play now. But you, you get the feeling that he's going to get everybody together. Um, try and have a bit of a bonding thing going on where, you know, we're going to assess what's gone wrong in the last few games and try and put that right for the last 18 games of the season now. Like I said, there's no cup games to worry about. It's all league games now. So hopefully by the time they come back on Friday, nicely tanned and everything, they'll be ready for the um, whole game on the 30th. Um, and when everybody's bonded, everybody will know each other. We had a new player, a uh, left back yesterday, Debock from uh, Bruges. He had a fairly decent game uh, to say that we lost 3-4. He, he did really well. We were nice to get a natural left footer on, on the left-hand side. He, he did okay. Um, hopefully this, ses- this bonding session in Spain will do him good as well. He'll get to know everybody. Um, he'll settle in. And in the meantime, hopefully they'll, they'll be looking for maybe... Um, we've got Adam Forshaw in from Middlesbrough as well, who's a decent midfield player. He couldn't play yesterday because he's carrying a slight niggle. But hopefully he'll be ready for the whole game as well because we're going to be missing Phillips because he got 
he got his 10th booking of the season yesterday, so he's going to miss a further two games, which is another disciplinary thing. So we're going to be missing four key players by the time we do play Hull, but hopefully um, Dibok and Farshaw will settle into the team fairly quickly and um, it'll be a case of you know getting back on track for that game against Hull on the 30th of January and hopefully get back to winning ways because it's a great opportunity against a Hull City team who, who have been struggling all season. Uh, they're just above the relegation zone at the moment. They'll be fighting, obviously, for points, but they lost 1-0 at Sunderland, which, you know, nobody seems to be doing this season, but they, them and Fulham have lost there now over the last sort of few weeks. So Sunderland are getting the rat together a little bit. Uh, Hull will be looking around the shoulders and hopefully they'll, you know, um, suffer another defeat when we play them soon so yeah it's a great opportunity for everybody to get together get to know each other and come back fighting for the last 18 games of the season yeah and with Preston we we've got an FA Cup game next weekend so we go over the Pennines uh, especially for me living in Manchester other side of the Pennines across to Sheffield to play Sheffield United and mm-hmm. sort of um, there's quite a few Preston fans sort of looking at sort of um, statistics and that kind of thing on Twitter and it was quite interesting the last time we played Sheffield United in the the fourth round of the FA Cup we ended up beating them at Sheffield United where we're playing Drew Man United in the next round, which you know I'd be delighted with uh, again this season to to get a big team like that. Uh, yeah. And that season we ended up winning the playoffs and going up to the championship. So if if yeah. history somewhat repeats itself, uh, I'm in for quite an exciting sort of uh, last four or five months of the season. But sort of as far as the game goes, I think it's almost come at a right time for us. We've uh, had two draws of on the bounce that gives Alex Neal uh, a chance to. To rest one or two players who there's been a few players that have looked sort of like they need a rest over the last few weeks. Um, we've got a few new players in, Billy Bowden and Louis Malt, so I'd imagine that both of them would start and uh, get a bit more game time with, with the rest of the lads as well. So I'd expect us to make a few changes and, and give a few players a rest as well. Um, Ben Pearson hopefully should be back. It was only a little knock that he had. So I think the uh, the Millwall game came a day or two so- too soon for him. So it was more precautionary than sort of long-term injury that they left him out yesterday. Um, so obviously he should be back. And normally when he's missed a game through injury or suspension, he comes back. And uh, sort of if, if anyone's listening, sort of looking to place a bet, I think you'd... Uh, be safe to to put Ben Pearson to get booked. He's one of those players who's dead eager to impress, and especially when he's missed a game, first five ten minutes he'll probably fly into a tackle and uh, and go in the referee's book. So it'll uh, it'll be a good chance for Neil to rotate the squad, and hopefully a few of the players who aren't getting a look in at the moment can come in, put in a good f- performance, and and really stake a claim as well to get into that sort of uh, that League Eleven really that's been. Uh, sort of nine out of eleven players, I'd say, has been quite settled recently. Um, Maxwell, the keeper, who's done fantastically well all season, had a couple of sort of shaky moments over the last couple of weeks. So maybe uh, a bit of a rest for him would, would do him good and give him a chance to, to clear his head. So um, yeah, I think if I was sort of to predict the game, I'd uh, I'd take a draw, even though it's the FA Cup. I'd take a draw and hopefully beat them back at our place. Um, but, you know, it's the FA Cup. Uh, main focus really is the league this season, although it's nice to have a cup run. So even if we do get beat, Sheffield United's a hard place to go, so it won't be the end of the world. I know there'll be 
some Preston fans on Twitter will be calling for Alex Neal's head should we get beat, which, you know, is absolutely ridiculous. But mm-hmm. in a sense, it's almost a free game for us. Um, you know, as much as I love Preston, we're never going to win the FA Cup. And sort of the FA Cup for us really is about getting sort of a, a big team homer away and making a bit of money. So, you know, a defeat won't be the end of the world, although it'd be nice to have a bit of a cup run and hopefully get one of the sort of the big boys out of the Premier League this season. Um, so, you know, I can go into the game sort of not worrying about sort of, oh, are we going to slip further away from the playoffs or anything like that? So it'll be um, a nice change of pace and uh, I'll be making the trip over. So really looking forward to it next weekend. Um, but with that, we're out of time. Cheers for joining me today, Kev. Uh, I know it's been a sort of a lot. Uh, sort of to okay. pick up after we had connection issues with Rob so I appreciate you uh, sort of helping me sort of fill the time today um, if you want to let anyone know sort of Twitter handles anything that you're involved in uh, now would be a good time yeah sure I've enjoyed it James thank you very much um, yeah Leeds United Mad the website uh, Leeds United underscore Mad on Twitter and I'll be on Sportsline Leeds tomorrow on uh, Made in Leeds TV, 8pm, 8, 8 with a little snippet of my review of the game on uh, Saturday and a little chat about what I think will happen for the remainder of the season. So tune into that as well and hopefully we'll have a, a good time when we come back uh, playing football again. Yeah, and as I said at the start, I'm James Vickers. You can find me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers. Uh, I mainly tweet about Preston North End and uh, Bundesliga and German football. So if you're interested in either of those, definitely give me a follow and uh, sort of get involved in the conversation. Um, and you can also find the show on our new Twitter page, which is at Championship Pod, where we have weekly sort of polls, uh, discussions, that kind of thing. So definitely check that out and, uh, and get involved in that as well. Uh, and every show link will be posted on there as well. So definitely uh, give it a follow. Um, but yeah, cheers for joining me today, Kev. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on as always. And uh, we'll see you next time.